Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Welcome to 3C Amplified. I'm your host, Jacqueline DeStremps, here to highlight the businesses, nonprofits, and individuals collaborating to amplify their impact in the community. This series is sponsored by Another Hand Advantage, where I create marketing strategies for community-minded small businesses and nonprofits that fit your schedule and budget while making your brand stand out in front of your audience. And joining me in our virtual studio today is Paula Little, Director of Development at Banfield Foundation, and Dr. Stephen Hansen, President and CEO of the Arizona Humane Society. Welcome. Hello, Jacqueline. Hi there. Hi there. <laughs> Hi, Paula. Um, thank you both so much uh, for joining me. Um, so excited to have you both here. Paula, real quick, though, obviously, those of you out there are just listening, but I can actually uh, see Paula here on my Zoom. You've got some trees behind you. I'm a little bit jealous. Where are you uh, calling in from today? Yeah, I'm actually in the lovely little town called Camas, Washington, just outside of Vancouver, Washington, where our headquarters are. So oh, nice. About four acres with water and uh, just a, a great space to be quarantined in. Not to Yeah. Be- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, uh, tell, since I've got you, tell us a little bit, then you said Banfield Foundation is headquartered there. Tell us a little bit about Banfield Foundation. Um, I think probably a lot of people are familiar with the Banfield Veterinary Hospitals, but this is uh, kind of new to me even hearing about the foundation. Yeah, of course. It's new to many people. We um, are the charitable arm of Banfield Pet Hospital. So the Banfield Foundation was actually launched in 2015. We're going to be celebrating our five-year anniversary this September. So really excited about that significant milestone. Um, Fresh off the presses, I actually heard from the staff that we just hit 5 million pets helped as well. So it's a nice milestone to hit during our anniversary. So excited to shout that out uh, here with you guys. So um, because Arizona Humane has been a big part of that and so many of our other uh, community organizations. The purpose of the foundation, essentially we were created to help all pets, no matter the circumstance, receive access to veterinary care, shelter, and disaster relief. Um, Working with partners like Arizona Humane and ensuring that um, people and pets have access to the resources they need, and specifically veterinary care. Veterinary care is so expensive, um, just, you know, for anyone, but really for the vulnerable populations to be able to have access to um, flea and tick medications, to have access to veterinarians, to have access to resources. For us, that's really important, and that's why the foundation was created. Excellent. Thank you, Paula. And then uh, Dr. Hansen, um, I assume a lot of people are really familiar with uh, the Arizona Humane Society, but uh, tell us a little bit, I guess, about, um, about your role uh, at Arizona Humane Society and how long have you been in that role? So, so yeah, I'm quite lucky to uh, be in the leadership position of the Arizona Humane Society. We've got an amazing team here. Um, So I feel very lucky to be in this role. I've been here since 2013, so I'm about to complete, it's hard to believe, but seven years. And we've come a long way during that period. Maricopa County used to be considered one of the worst places in the country to be a homeless pet. And we've really changed that complexion. And it's been because of a collaboration 
between us, the other organizations here in Maricopa County, and then of course, generous support of Banfield Foundation and other generous donors that have allowed us to do so. Yeah, that's great. Um, and even I've just, I've noticed the difference over the years. So granted at the time, I in first grade when we adopted our first two cats um, when I was a kid and we got them from the Arizona Humane Society, Cotton and Sarge uh, lived both to be, gosh, almost 20 and 22 years old. Um, and then uh, several years after that, I adopted um, my cats, uh, Boris and Natasha, from the Arizona Humane Society. And they were with me for 17 and 18 years. So then after, I've decided to become a foster. So I'm very familiar with the Arizona Humane Society. But gosh, I just feel like there have been so many exciting changes over just the past few years um, at the Humane Society. And uh, that that's really exciting to me. And to hear, like you said, that um, Arizona used to be one of the, or Maricopa County used to be one of the worst places for a homeless pet. What sort of things kind of, what kind of things turn that around? What types of programs maybe were put in place that helped to turn that around? Yeah, but we really took a hard look at all the programs that we did we visited a lot of other shelters around the country, and many shelters shared with us some of their successful programs. One of the beauties about animal welfare is that we do openly share. We have other shelters that now come and visit us, and we still visit other shelters as well. Um, but we did a couple of key things. So we greatly expanded our medical capacity and capability. Um, our mission in the Valley really is to treat the most vulnerable animals. So the sick, injured, and abused animals in the Valley while also supporting keeping pets in homes and underserved families. So we expanded our ability to treat animals. We launched a Parvo Award. We've been running that for several years. One of the dogs in my household is a survivor from our Parvo Award. We, we launched a maternity ward as well. And a dog sitting across from me in my office was actually born in my house. And he was one of the last dogs born at, in, at a foster home instead of being um, in our maternity suites where we have cameras on them and um, we can send them out to foster after they're actually born. Of course, we have a kitten nursery. We have community cat programs, spay and neuter programs. Um, I like to say that we begged, stole, and borrowed every good idea that any <laughs> other shelter ever launched. Um, and we're not at all ashamed to say that. I think sharing good ideas is so important and that collaboration piece uh, is how we get to, to where we are and how we got there so very, very quickly. Um, so those are some of the key things that we did. Some of the more recent things that are, that are particularly interesting, of course, is, for example, foster. So adoptions and foster in the, in the world of COVID um, has really allowed us to do some um, more unique things that, that many shelters are doing now as well, but not how we were doing business six months ago. Kind of on that note, Paula, with the Banfield Foundation as well, what are some things that have come up in the past few months with given the what the state of uh, the pandemic that we're in right now, what are some things that have come up uh, that Banfield has noticed a change in? What are some ways that you guys have changed how uh, the foundation operates? Yeah, I mean, the, the world of COVID changes day to day. So for us to be really in tune with this incredible community and hearing from the community of nonprofits and shelters um, on what they need has been um, amplified, right? Mm -hmm. So for us, we're really just opening our ears and listening to hear what our partners need. And we were really able to pivot quickly. So starting in April, we launched a COVID-19 respond and response 
rebuild grant that dedicated about $500,000 to COVID relief efforts to shelters, specifically shelters that have veterinary teams on site. Again, knowing that uh, that is the largest expense. And so as people um, face job loss and other losses, financial loss, of course, um, for them to even be able to afford veterinary care mm-hmm. is, is is huge. And so um, partnering with organizations like Arizona Humane to be able to provide that um, was step one for us. Um, you know, we've had a lot of conversations, as I mentioned earlier, with our partners. And what we're hearing is exactly what Dr. Hansen is saying, is that the community has come together to really stand side by side and lend each other support, lend each other ideas, talk about ways to be creative, whether it's virtual adoptions or, you know, mobile clinics. It's just been incredible to see the response that has happened. And for us to be able to partner like organizations like Arizona Humane that are really well-rounded and prepared, makes it easy on us to just be able to write that check. But again, for us, it's not just about writing the check. It's also Uh, connecting communities together. So we may have um, an organization, actually just spoke with an organization in Los Angeles, trying to start a new program. And it's an hour later, I had an organization in San Diego that just completed that program. And I was able to connect the two. So again, being in tune with the community is just another valuable resource. And we love connecting organizations to each other, in addition to writing those grants and those dollars, of course. Right, right. And now is Banfield Foundation, do you help out in all 50 states? Are you um, all across the United States or you have a specific region that you work with? No, we're across the U.S. So um, any animal welfare organization can go online and look at our grant programs, um, everything from veterinary care and vet medical equipment, which is expensive, to disaster relief. We also have a Safer Together program that focuses on pets and people impacted by domestic violence. Um, So for us right now, we know that domestic violence is, um, you know, we're seeing more and more of that because of the shelter at home place. So there's more violence in the homes. And so we're able to help uh, through that grant program as well. Um, Banfield Pet Hospital has uh, hospitals all across the U.S. So we do a lot of partnerships with our associates as well through our Hope Funds programs in the hospitals. Um, so yeah, it's it's open to people and we encourage organizations to go online and, and take a look. Um, we are a small team of five, believe it or not. Oh, wow. <laughs> so we're small and mighty. Yeah. We are a team that loves to get on the phone and, and chat with organizations and um, toss around new and innovative ideas. So um, yeah, encourage people to really pick up the phone and call and connect with us. Yeah. And so then Dr. Hansen, you talked about just over the last few months, how some of those programs have changed within, um, Arizona Humane Society. What were some of the first, you know, when this all started to happen and, and they, you know, things started to shut down, what were some of the first things that, um, you saw kind of pet related going on there at the shelter? And what are some of those changes that, you've you've been making over the last few months. Yeah, and Jacqueline, we actually went through a lot of change very quickly, as many shelters did. Um, we closed only a few of our public-facing pieces that were not critical. The other areas we actually expanded. So our trauma hospital went 24-7 mm-hmm. and continues to run 24-7. Um, our public clinic, and, um, and thank you, Paula and Banfield, we were 
um, the recipients of a grant to help families in need. Our public clinic went to a seven-day routine. So in, in the past, we had been open four days, and then we were open for vaccine days and spay-neuter days. We changed it to seven days a week for critical um, cases, for, for urgent care cases of owned animals. And that has proven to be um, very necessary and well-received. And, um, and that's a program that we plan on continuing into the future. So we were, are going to do some consolidation of our clinics so that we can make sure that that clinic continues to run seven days a week. So that clinic has, has been helping people. Um, and as I mentioned, the trauma hospital has been running. So in order for the trauma hospital to continue running, we have to have outflow. And between foster and adoption, we were able to continue and still are continuing to balance that so the hospital can continue to take in homeless animals as well. So the adoption side, what's interesting is, of course, we're doing um, virtual adoptions, as a lot of people have, um, have started doing. In the past, we had four adoption locations. We now have one adoption location. That single location, the way our process operates is you go to our website, you schedule an appointment, you then speak with a virtual matchmaker who's working from home. So all of our staff who can work from home, who are not direct um, hands-on animal um, caring people are working from home. That includes our call center, our pet resource center. So what happens in adoptions is similar. Um, they make the, the appointment, they make the phone call, and then they then go to our one location at South Mountain in which we've got a um, good amount of space we, we can designate appointments. We have about, on average, 65 appointments a day. Wow. We are currently adopting out between 80 and 90% of our normal volume in four locations, all in one location. It's really pretty amazing. The adoptions team is just kicking it out of the park. And at the same time, foster is working similarly. So today we have just over 700 animals in foster. Our foster process switched similarly in which our our, our foster team is operating from their home offices and then doing pickup and drop off curbside. So we have a big tent in our parking lot here at our Sunny Slope location, <laughs> in which cars can actually pull up in, inside the tent and actually park because it's so hot here. I'd, I would love to be in the, in the, the Northwest. It sounds so much more <laughs> We're going to be over 110 again today. So Earlier in the COVID crisis, it was much easier for us to manage curbside. Um, so we did get um, a company that donated the use of a very large, essentially a circus tent out front. So now we've got covered parking. So our fosters can come and pick up. They can pull under the covered parking and we can meet them curbside and either pick up or drop off their foster pet. So that has become an incredibly efficient and smooth running machine and enabling us again to, to be able to balance in and out as we would normally um, so that the, the sick, injured, and abused, all the cruelty cases that our field team does and continues to do during this pandemic is able to continue. So with those changes, with both, just with both organizations, are there some changes that you've seen that, um, that have taken place over the last few months that you think moving forward, you're like, why didn't we do it this way? before and, and it's something that you want to continue doing with your organizations? So certainly for us, we will, we will continue on. We call them COVID keepers. And we intend on keeping many of these processes in some, in some form. So we, we have a, a policy that we're um, developing uh, and we intend to have continued staff working from home on a balanced schedule when this finally passes, when it's truly in our rearview mirror. 
And we see some great benefits in doing that. It helps us with office space. It helps with traffic in greater Phoenix area. And I think it'll increase satisfaction among those staff members that can do that. Um, many of us want to be in the office a bit more than we have been. So that's also somewhat of a challenge. But we do see that um, home officing approach, a mix of home office and in-office continuing. Um, we see um, a lot of the, the customer service pieces that are working continuing. I think some of the curbside activities will continue. Adoptions by appointment, we're looking at expanding that into um, one of our PetSmart locations where we have an everyday adoption center and there's a Banfield hospital. Um, we envision us continuing with a modified version of that appointment process. And, and we believe we can continue to do that very efficiently and place more pets. Uh, and again, as I mentioned, the, the clinic, which is, um, has been running seven days a week during most of this crisis, uh, will likely continue to do that again as well, because the demand has been very heavy, as Paula indicated, from families that are in need of pet care. And uh, that clinic really can deliver that quite effectively. Mm-hmm. So there actually, I think, are many pieces of it that there actually will continue that the upside of such an awful crisis and and don't get me wrong, I'm not, I'm not saying that a crisis is good, but the upside is um, it does allow you to make changes very quickly uh, and to adjust as we go along. We like to pilot just about everything. Um, our staff sometimes rolls their eyes when I say the word pilot, but we, we do like to, to, to test it. And if it doesn't work, then we'll, we'll try something different. And the teams have gotten so good at doing that. I, I can't speak highly enough of the, the, the staff that we have here and the work that they have done to put these programs together and to be able to continue operating in a safe manner during a terrible time. Right. And Paula, you said there's just five of you, which again, I'm still, that's hard to believe when you were talking about all of the, the grants and things that Banfield was doing across the United States. Are there things that have come up in uh, the last few months for Banfield Foundation that you all kind of think, hmm, this might be something that we do continue to do moving forward? Yeah, it's funny. Dr. Hansen mentioned a pilot. My team actually, I feel like they call me Pilot Paula. Because <laughs> every time, you know, we, we have to pivot. It's a, it's, it's a new way of working and it just... Uh, pivot Paula now. Yeah, that's right. It's a test. <laughs> It's nice to have a small team that is quick and yeah. nimble and able to do that. And mm-hmm. so for us, you know, one of the programs that really shifted was our preventive care clinics, where we would um, partner with nonprofit organizations and see anywhere from 100 to 200 pets in person, on the ground, in communities across the U.S. We would do 50 of them um, a year. And so, of course, with social distancing and just restrictions, we aren't able to do that. And so for us... We've been finding um, some creative ways to partner together with nonprofit organizations and shelters to deliver that care and really, more than anything, allowing um, us to provide the support so that they can step up and really dig deep into their communities um, and and support them in figuring out how they want to go into the most vulnerable neighborhoods to provide that. So looking a lot at uh, mobile units and mobile Mm -hmm. 
here um, that can be parked in a location or in a space that while it may not be able to see a hundred pets in a day, it can provide some resources for those that are most in need. Um, and so really digging a little bit deeper into what that can look like. We also just um, with some of our partners launched a telehealth program. So organizations are definitely looking at how can uh, telehealth uh, veterinary care be used for their clients so that they can continue to stay at home safely and still be seen by a veterinarian um, and get their needs met. So like many other organizations, just trying to pivot as much as we can so that we could provide those resources um, and really lift up those organizations like Arizona Humane that are doing incredible things in the community. Yeah. What are some trends that you've seen maybe, um, what are some of the shelters most in need of when they're coming to you for these grants? Has there been any kind of a trend as far as what types of services they're needing that funding for? Or you also mentioned that organization in Los Angeles that had an idea and you were able to connect them with someone else. Has there, has there been a lot of new ideas kind of coming out of this too that you're seeing for, for your, um, your grantees? Yeah, uh, interesting. A lot of new ideas, but a lot of them are more ideas that are new that were circling in the back of their head before COVID and COVID kind of pushed them to say, okay, this is, this is where we need to do this now. So the organization in Los Angeles is a human health organization, but so many of their clients have pets. And so taking their pet resource from leashes and collars and pet food supplies up to the next level to provide veterinary care. Um, but of course, we're in the middle of this pandemic. So where would they get the funding for something like that when they're also looking for funding to just keep their lights on and such? And so for us to be able to turn around and provide a grant and help them kind of lift that program off the ground has been really exciting for us because we're just providing kind of that extra kick right, for them to kind of launch their dreams during this pandemic and provide the resources in order to do that. So it's been Mm -hmm. exciting to see the innovative ideas that are coming out, as well as those innovative, uh, you know, ideas that have been in the closet for a little while that are now being dusted off and can be used. and, um, and, And we're excited to see some things come out of this. Yeah, I've been hearing that a lot. And just the other week, I had a couple of guests on, um, one of them from an organization here uh, in Arizona called Waste Not. And uh, again, it came down to, you know, these were things that we thought we wanted to do before. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, guess we got to try those out now. (laughs) And we either, it either doesn't work or it does work, but we need to do something. We need to make sure that, you know, we can get this rolled out quickly. So I like how both of you talked about how you both in the, in the, uh, before we're very much into let's pilot that. And, um, and, and now you're kind of coming around to the idea. Well, let's just, let's just go with it. (laughs) And building on that same idea during this COVID crisis, it's allowed us to um, actually fill a new position in the middle of the crisis, really. And we actually have a social worker that works on our staff now. Her name's Jenna Diaz. Um, she's also bilingual, and her job is to help is to help the other end of the leash, so to speak. So to help the people side of our of our human animal bond, I'm helping direct them to resources, helping make sure they have human resources while they're also getting the animal resources that we're trying to provide. So she's been a key add to our staff. We call her a resource navigator. 
Uh, and she's been a, a key add to staff. And it's something that I think is a new trend that you're probably seeing in some other shelters as well, is trying to fulfill that bigger social need um, with somebody who's truly trained in human social work and realizing that uh, clearly for us, we can't help animals unless we can get through a person and help that person as well. So it, it seems like it's the next big step in, in managing the and, and promoting the human-animal bond. And so we're pretty excited to, to be one of those shelters that, that has that sort of a position. And that position was also funded by another foundation uh, that has a lot of um, vision on this, along these same lines, the Pulliam, the Nina Mason Pulliam Charitable Trust is who funded that position. Um, so we're quite thankful for the vision of the trust as well as Banfield in, in helping make sure that we can actually help the community in such a broader way. Animals are such a big part of all of our lives. Mm -hmm. um, to do it any other way seems like we've, we've been missing the boat for many years. No, that is actually really exciting. It's so funny that you bring that up because I was talking with somebody last week, I think it was, um, we were talking about some guests, upcoming guests I have on the show. And um, I mentioned I was going to have you on the show, um, Dr. Hansen from uh, Humane Society. She goes, make sure you ask them about the social work position that they brought on. She's like, that is amazing. And granted, she's from a social work background. So of course she thought that was really exciting, but she started to tell me about it. And I said, no, 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 don't tell me. Cause I want to, I want to hear it first when, when I talk to Dr. Hansen. So, so in a sense, then what does that look like then? So somebody comes in with their pet and this, somebody along the way realizes it's a bigger issue than just something that the pet is dealing with. And then your navigator is brought in to, to help out with the owner? So that's exactly right. So our, our, our vision was that this person would be on site and be able to help people as they come in, um, as well as being able to help people over the phone that might be calling our pet resource call center. So now she's, she's working virtually um, mm -hmm. and is able to provide that support. Um, in, a, in a distance type of a manner. So it's, a, again, adjusting as we move along, um, but it does allow us to, to help in those sorts of settings. So we, our, our desire is to help people when they come in the door, and we try and get to them before they actually come to us. Our Pet Resource Center was originally started several years ago under the concept of if we can help somebody before they've actually made the disconnect decision, before they've actually walked in our front door with their pet and, and are saying, here, I'm relinquishing my pet. That can be difficult to turn around sometimes. So the Pet Resource Center has been charged with finding out why somebody wants to relinquish a pet. Oftentimes, it's cost of veterinary care. So if we can direct them to our full-service clinic, provide care, then, then, then we can help them keep their pet. For us and for most shelters, um, there's, there's no good reason to take a pet and and provide medical care and then adopt it to somebody else? Why not make sure it stays in the family unit that it started from? So that is the um, navigator position is really an outgrowth of the vision of the Pet Resource Center and providing those resources to keep families together. Yeah, that's great. I really, I love that. And would love, can't wait to hear how that position, um, you know, progresses and how that, that program really expands from there. Yeah, same here, Dr. Hansen. <laughs> we have some folks that may want to connect with you on, on trying to create something like that as well. I mean, I think he hit the nail on the head. One of the things coming out of this pandemic that was only touched upon lightly, lightly I felt like, until now is that animal-human bond. 
and the connection between the two. I mean, it's, it's incredible to see a, a shelter, you know, focus on that human health piece. Um, for us, we've seen it, you know, we've seen it, but in the opposite way where we've provided grants for um, veterinary care at homeless clinics and people come in only to see um, the veterinarian and to get their pets helped. And so, you know, what we find is that more of the humans are being helped because as they're standing there, the nurse kind of taps them on their shoulder and Mm -hmm. says, Hey, why don't you come over here with me and let's see how we can provide you help. And so the, the human healthcare has increased dramatically because they're just coming in because they care about their pet and only their pet and they put their pet in, you know, before themselves in most situations. So I love this one and the, and how kind of how it's flipped as well. And I'm also excited to see how that goes. And again, these are the kind of innovative conversations and ideas that are coming out of, out of this pandemic and, and what we kind of really need to focus on moving forward as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and when you said, you know, they're only coming in for, to get help for their uh, pet. Um, but I think too, it's, you don't know what you don't know. So sometimes when people are in a certain situation and it's the last thing they want to do is to give up their pet, but they feel like this is the only option that I have. And they just haven't thought to think, oh, maybe there's somebody out there who can help me with my veterinary bills, or maybe there's somebody out there who can help me find a a shelter that I can go to and I can bring my pet, or maybe there's an organization out there that can help my pet while I'm in a shelter. And so they, they stay in those situations just because they're just not aware that there's something else out there. And so something like this, this navigator position, I think really just brings that to those people who, you know, may not have ever heard of anything else to help them along the way. So Paula, what types of partnerships are you, you know, over the, over the years, I don't remember if you said how long you've been with Banfield, um, but what types of partnerships um, do you really see being kind of a success in your program um, and have really taken off? Yeah. So um, just to answer your question, I've been with the foundation for three years. So okay. <laughs> and we started at five. So I feel like an old timer for sure. <laughs> So for us in terms of partnerships, again, just kind of highlighting those that are, you know, well-rounded ones that really take into account, I mean, the heart of the community, right? You think Mm -hmm. about a shelter and what it's there for. Um, It's not just about adoptions, you know, it is about connecting people to the resources to keep their pets, to receive care for their pets, to to connect to a community of other animal lovers. And so for us, organizations like Arizona Humane, who really think through all of the pieces from step one to step 100 on the care of this pet um, are, are the types of partnerships that, that we look for and are, are really excited about, whether it's veterinary care. Um, we have a lot of partnerships like that that focus on disaster care um, and disaster relief, uh, thinking about you know everything a pet and a family goes through when disaster hits, um, to, as mentioned before, you know, domestic violence as well. And 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 where where is the the pet in that cycle. And so again, partnering with organizations that, that really can think through and help us and we help each other think through from point A to point Z, where is that pet in that cycle, but also how is it impacting its family and its loved ones 
and vice versa? And, and how can we really focus on that, that complete care? And it goes back to the animal human bond at the end of the day. And um, just seeing more and more organizations slowly uh, start to recognize that and slowly start to implement practices and, and processes around that. Um, those are the kinds of projects that we really want to sink our teeth into. There aren't, um, there isn't a specific grant program, I do air quotes, grant program or buckets for that because we um, really are, again, like we said, small and nimble, but really are open to ideas on how can we build upon and expand to ensure that we can provide better care and resources for our most vulnerable pets. So these are the kinds of conversations that that make my day for sure. Yeah. So how long has the partnership there been there then with uh, between you guys, between Arizona Humane Society and Banfield? When did um, when did that all begin? So I think um, Banfield has been supporting Arizona Humane Society for several years. I know we've got some significant grants that have happened over the last few years. So I'm not sure if I actually know myself the first year that we began interacting. And I don't know if um, if you know that that um, either, Paula. Um, but we have been working together for some time now. Yeah, I believe, I mean, definitely five, if not more than five years, for sure. Um, before the Banfield Foundation, um, we were the Banfield Charitable Trust. And so we evolved into the Banfield Foundation to be better aligned with Banfield Pet Hospital. And again, really focused on the vision of veterinary care. So I believe there might have been some grants with the BCT as well. But Arizona Humane is uh, definitely in our hearts. And, uh, you know, I don't want to say a favorite because you can't say that. <laughs> we, we definitely appreciate Banfield. We appreciate the foundation and the general care that all the hospitals provide around the country. Uh, my uh, my sister-in-law actually manages a Banfield clinic in Illinois. So we've got some Banfield in the family there. As well. oh, nice. but we, yeah. we do appreciate that because um, we've got so many pets that need homes, and and right now during this crisis, they are moving into those homes very, very quickly. We appreciate the fact that Banfield helps us and other hospitals support those families that are going through tough times, and that all the Banfield hospitals are out there operating now in this in this crisis, serving all the rest of the pet owning community. So it does take all of us together to manage and take care of the pets and the people, and it is pretty heartwarming to see it work so well. And we all work together. Yeah. I mean, that's what, you know, one of the, the great parts about the foundation is that force of Banfield Pet Hospital behind us. And, and we go hand in hand. I mean, so many of our um, associates in our hospitals, I mean, they, they're veterinarians because they want to give back. But um, in partnering with us and, and some of the programs that we do, we're able to help elevate that through our Hope Funds programs, through our preventive care clinics where our associates can come out and, and you know, give a full day of, of their services, their time and their talent, as we say. Um, and so it's nice to be able to have, have that force behind us um, as we do this work. So just like Dr. Hansen said, it's, it's definitely a community that comes together. Given that you both obviously love animals, or you wouldn't, or you wouldn't be where you are right now. Granted, when you were a kid, you probably didn't say, "I want to be a director of development when I grow up." But um, did you? <laughs> Maybe you did. I don't know. But what point in your life did you know that this is, you know, this is where you wanted to be? Then with a, a any type of position that whatever that looked like, 
um, working with animals? Yeah. So for me, so I've been, um, so my background is actually nonprofits. So I've been doing about 20 years of uh, fund development and nonprofit, helping them build organization uh, programs from the ground up, working with boards, really more than anything, helping nonprofits increase their impact. So it actually started with uh, conservation on the conservation Mm -hmm. side, working from some national groups there. And then of course that gets into wildlife um, and then actually, believe it or not, before this position, I was the interim executive director at the Oregon Zoo Foundation. So oh, I'm, wow. <laughs> um, so animals have always kind of made their way in one way or another. And so for me, being here at Banfield Foundation is kind of the highlight, um, just being able to, to give back and you know, see it really trickle down to one generation, from one generation to the next. I mean, my children, we have pets and my children want to be veterinarians. And, um, you know, as soon as they could crawl and talk, all they wanted were puppies and kittens, (laughs) all of that fun stuff. But it really does, you know, show empathy and, and, and teaches caring and, and responsibility and, um, just, from every thread in my life. I mean, I think animals have always been a part of it. And so um, to be here at the foundations is, like I said, the highlight of, of my career for sure. And how about for you, Dr. Hansen? So I'm, I'm one of those typical stories of somebody who had lots of pets and always wanted to be a veterinarian. <laughs> so I, I went to Iowa State University in Ames. And from the first day I stepped foot on campus, that's what my goal was. and 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 that's where that's where I headed, and it, it's been a fabulous journey all along. I've been in nonprofits now for over 20 years on the nonprofit side, and I did I did clinical practice before that as well in in Houston and in Chicago. So yeah, it, it's always been there, and it, it still is um, is obviously a passion. I love the nonprofit side of it. I, I really enjoy what a team like this can do when they really put their minds to something, when they want to make a difference. And this team has gotten so good at, at testing and piloting and partnering. And we have quite an alliance here in the Valley. I'm the Alliance for Companion Animals. I'm the, the chair of the alliance. And it's the group of the seven largest animal welfare organizations in Maricopa County. And we meet every month. And we have programs that we work on together. Um, one of our biggest programs right now involves mobile units in the community doing vaccines and spays and neuters. Um, so when we all get together and work together, I think the resources are much better leveraged and the impact is much greater. Um, so that's um, that's a that's a pretty nice feeling in Maricopa County that we can pick up the phone. Doesn't mean we always agree, um, but we certainly call each other and and figure it out, which is quite nice. Since you both have brought up mobile units um, in the conversation, um, Dr. Hansen, I wanted to ask you a little bit about the. Um, the name is escaping me now, but you actually have, I guess, for lack of a better term, you have like a pet ambulance, right? When did, when did that start? How long, how long has that been around? And and tell us a little bit about what that, because I I think that's really unique myself. So we actually have our emergency animal medical technician team. And this is a group of pet ambulances that we send out across the Valley. So these are these are trained staff members who can rescue an animal, something from a, a dog that's, um, that's stuck in a canal with free-flowing water and can't get out and it's going to drown, or 
a cat in a, inside of a wall in a house to a cruelty case to dogs that are hit by cars. Um, so our team will be deployed. They go to anywhere in Maricopa County. Um, they can stabilize an animal and get them right to our hospital. Um, so that's a program that has been going on for several years, and it, um, it was running before my time. And I actually don't know the first year that that program started, but we've been doing it probably now for um, 15 or 20 years, more than likely. It's, our hospital has been running since um, um, in the, the late 70s or some of the pictures that I see when we actually have some level of a hospital here at Sunny Slope. So that, that's been a program that's grown and over the last 10 or 15 years has gotten quite large. So we call them emergency animal medical technicians and they see some amazing cases and mm -hmm. we'll watch the trucks roll up here during the day. They're deployed from our South campus. They roll up here all day long, dropping off animals, rushing them inside. A lot of times people are, are concerned about coming through our shelter because they think it might be a sad location. And sure, when, when somebody comes in the door, sometimes it can look pretty rough. Sometimes it can look downright awful. Um, but um, given the, some, the care of our veterinary staff here, our veterinarians and our technicians, and then out to foster for, for a length of time and back for adoption, it's amazing what the turnaround can be. Um, so that's a, that's a pretty unique program that we operate. We have an interesting distribution of responsibilities, so to speak, of here in the Valley. And for a, for a nonprofit to take on that role of picking up the sick and injured animals in the valley completely and it's not supported by tax dollars is is pretty important. But it is we feel like it's key to what we do, um, and we we know that those pets end up being placed in homes, and and um, we hope Anfield takes care of them once they need long term <laughs> care. So it, again, it is a circle, and it's yeah. um, it's an important part of what we do. That's some of my most the favorite stories to see on your social media is when they they show the the animal in their forever home and they tell kind of that background of where they came from and where they're at now and it's just it's remarkable to see um, those changes. Yeah, we've got one dog who is um, mostly poodle. We've done done um, um, DNA testing on all four of our dogs, but um, she was her before pictures are pretty tough. She was from a cruelty case and she is, she's a small poodle, probably 14 pounds. And she was one big mat. Aww. And the, the picture that you see her of her um, before, before she got her mercy grooming, she's got her head hung low and she's filthy and covered with feces and, and she's just awful looking. And then when she's all done, she's holding her head up high and she's a totally different dog. And my son picked her out because he's got some some anxiety challenges and she is is his emotional emotional support dog so it's one of those questions of who saved who sort of things mm -hmm. uh, but they're inseparable now it's um, it can be quite a transformation yeah what are some exciting things that you guys have on the horizon for your organizations? Obviously, there may have been a few uh, bumps in the road, um, given um, what we're going through right now. But any anything, any big, exciting plans for where you see your organizations in the next few years? So for the Arizona Humane Society, we are um, in the process of replacing our old um, facility here at the Sunny Slope campus. Um, the hospital on the, at the front part here, the public hospital will remain and continue to grow and support the community. The trauma hospital and everything else will be moving to a new location close to the Phoenix Zoo. And it will allow us to actually have a, a, a hospital that is 
um, state of the art. Right now, we are working in a very small space 24 7 uh, with a steady flow of, of animals coming through and do a remarkable job. But we know that we could treat a lot more animals in the valley and outside of Maricopa County as well. Our, par- our parvo ward-, ward is usually full, our kitten mm-hmm. nursery is is usually full. Ringworm in cats is always a problem. Um, so we can greatly increase the uh, amount of animals that we can save. Um, when we have distemper, for example, that uh, that comes into the shelter, that's a that's one of the things that runs fear through all of us. And we encounter that periodically. Um, we don't automatically euthanize distemper dogs. Um, that used to be the norm. We actually save a fairly high percentage of distemper dogs. It's really quite amazing. Um, but that requires some very challenging isolation and long-term repeated testing in order to be able to do that. So we plan on building a new central campus at Papago Park, and our plan is to be breaking ground next year. Um, so we're pretty excited about that. That is exciting. And Paula, how about with Banfield? Yeah, uh, congrats, Dr. Hansen, on on that breaking ground and coming up and we're excited to hear more about that as well. I think for the foundation, we'll continue our drumbeat of uh, providing veterinary care where we can. I think, again, out of this pandemic for us, really being able to be part of some of the larger conversations and some of the larger um, movements and providing that care through some coalitions. And um, we've got a, a few projects where we're really looking at up to 50,000 pets helped uh, through one project, and so being able to look at the grants that uh, and the grant applications for organizations that are kind of uniting together and doing some of the bigger bigger pros- progress um, in terms of providing resources and and catching back up from kind of COVID closures and such, we'll be focused on that through the rest of the year. Um, And then the other things that we highlighted on, you know, looking out three plus years, again, for us, that animal human bond is important. He agrees. Yes. (laughs) That's Crosby. But yes, that animal-human bond piece and and working with more and more organizations like Animal uh, Arizona Humane that are are focused on that holistic care and and really getting to the root of, you know, what the pet needs and what the pet pet family needs in terms of resources in order for everyone to stay together and and stay healthy. Um, And then last but not least, you touched upon mobile units. Um, For us, again, vulnerable populations, if you think about... um, Clients who don't have access to cars, they don't have access to internet, they don't have access to much. And so um, looking at, you know, mobile units, we've done quite a bit in the past with disaster relief, but really focused um, moving forward also on mobile units that can provide veterinary care uh, going into these communities where people cannot get out. Um, that's that's another big one on our radar that's surfaced through COVID, and we look to continue to, to support programs programs and projects like that. And I don't think we talked about this, but where is, um, where do you get most of your funding for the foundation? So the funding from the foundation, 94% of it actually comes from our Banfield Pet Hospital clients that come in. So if you think about uh, going into the veterinarian or let's make it even simpler, if you go into a grocery store, 
and you, you know, swipe your credit card and they, they ask you to make a donation for um, breast cancer or any other type of awareness, um, that is a donation. And so for us, those 94% of our, our funding comes from pin pad donations from oh, our wow. hospital clients. And then, of course, we get a lot of um, in-kind product donations from partners um, and uh, other organizations as well. So i um, super excited, again, to have that Banfield force behind us to allow us to do some incredible things in the community. Yeah, definitely. And Dr. Hansen, um, we talked a little bit about how I had um, had somebody on last December from Humane Society to talk about the um, planned giving side of things. But uh, outside of your planned giving, how about where's um, where is the Humane Society seeing a lot of their funding coming in right now? Sorry, I had you muted because <laughs> he's not barking anymore. So um, the Arizona Humane Society is a 501c3, and our funding is private, and which means that um, generous um, um, philanthropic donors support the Humane Society um, from small donations to our larger donations in our President's Club, and then also foundations such as Banfield or the Nine Mason Flame Charitable Trust or PetSmart Charities. These are three very important ones here in the Valley. Um, so all of those things add together, plus um, we do um, generate some revenue from adoptions. We run two thrift stores. Um, we have um, lots of activities that we try and do to make sure that we can generate as many funds as we possibly can um, to help animals and, and not be totally reliant on our very, very generous donors. Well, as we wrap up today, I just wanted to give you both an opportunity to talk a little bit about um, if we have listeners uh, right now live or when this is released then as a podcast and someone's listening in and they want to uh, learn more about your organizations. Paula, we'll start with you. If somebody wants to learn more about the Banfield Foundation or get in touch regarding a uh, partnership or your grants, how do they reach out? Yeah, so the best way to reach uh, the Banfield Foundation is actually to go to our website, banfieldfoundation.org. There's a list of resources, everything from grants that organizations can apply to. Um, Obviously, the information for the staff, you can get a hold of anyone there, and we're always happy to help. Um, There's actually also resources just for pet owners in general. You can search by state and location in case someone really needs um, to find additional support there as well. We work with our community partners to try to keep a very comprehensive list of of pet resources available on our website. So definitely encourage people to check us out. And then of course, we're on Instagram where you can see um, great stories of pets helped. So people know where their dollars are going and, and who we're partnering with and we do everything from um, grant stories to fun Instagram takeovers like we did recently with Arizona Humane. And um, those are always fun to see uh, in person what the pets, you know, the pets that are being helped thanks to our generous donors and, of course, our partners. Great. And Dr. Hansen? Yeah, for the Arizona Humane Society. So I encourage any listeners to visit our website, azhumane.org. We have a lot of information on all of our programs. You can also live chat through the website as well, or you can call our call center. So our pet resource call center is 602-997-7585. And that call center is is answered seven days a week um, during the day. And we will provide resources, um, coaching, whatever might be needed to help families. 
our website, there was a great uh, resource first. And again, you can live chat through the website at azhumane.org. And one thing I really like also, um, just wanted to throw that out there on the website, is I loved that uh, when I became a foster, um, I loved that all your foster training uh, was online, um, and it was very thorough. So I, when anytime anybody asks me about, well, what's it like being a foster? And I tell them, you know, first you go to the website, and then you go through the training. And <laughs> granted, at the time that I signed up, I thought I wanted to be a kitten bottle feeder bottle until you went to the training. And I was like, not so much. That's a <laughs> Yeah. So, so volunteers can go to our website right. and they can take our volunteer training. Yes. The bottle baby nursery training is on the website. There are a lot of great resources. Yeah. And this is a, a great time to become a foster. So I encourage anybody that's interested to take that volunteer training and that foster training and, and we'll set you up with a foster pet and and help manage that pet until it's ready for adoption. We really appreciate all of the fosters um, that have been out there stepping up. And I know people have been fostering across the country. It's a pretty amazing trend right now to be able to send them out so quickly. It's amazing how few animals we generally have on the foster list now because they go out so quickly. I know there was a couple of days where I looked on there and I was like, there's no cats. (laughs) (laughs) I had to reach out to my, my foster, um, person. I was like, uh, is there something wrong with the website? And she said, no, we just, you know, as quickly as they're coming in, they're going out, which is great. Um, that's really exciting, but, um, thank you both so much for joining me, uh, today. It was, um, amazing just learning about, again, learning even more about Arizona Humane Society, Dr. Hansen, especially learning about, you know, how you guys have really, uh, changed things up the way that programs have uh, progressed and changed over the last few months, um, just to keep up with everything that is happening, um, new challenges while still helping out with uh, the same challenges that we're, you know, you're always faced with. So, so exciting. And Paula, thank you so much um, for telling us more about uh, Banfield Foundation. Uh, It was um, really exciting to hear about that. And again, just five of you. That's so exciting. That's so commendable um, to hear about all the good that you're doing across the U.S. And um, and I think I even saw throughout uh, Puerto Rico and and Guam and and, and also so to the U.S. territory. So thank you both so much. Yeah. Thank you for having us, Jacqueline, and and thank you, Paula, for everything that you guys do. We do appreciate it. Well, we couldn't do our work without you. We're here to support you. So thanks so much. You've been listening to 3C Amplified, where we share how others are connecting, creating, and collaborating to amplify their impact, and we hope we've inspired you to do the same in your community. If you are a fellow changemaker and want to build connections, create relationships, and collaborate with others to make positive change, join the online community built to support and engage people like you wanting to amplify their impact in communities around the world. Visit 3CAmplified.com slash community to learn more. Until next time, I'm Jacqueline DeStremps with Another Hand Advantage. Let me help create a digital marketing strategy to put your organization's mission in front of your target audience and highlight the impact you're having in your community. Visit AnotherHandAdvantage.com to learn more and connect. 